With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Off the Beaten Track, a podcast that highlights local racetracks, drivers, owners, and more. To join the show live, call 646-668-8461. That's 646-668-8461. And now, here's your host, they call him the NASCAR guy, Nate Webster. Hi, Mike, are you there? I am, Nathan. How you doing, brother? Hey, Mike. How's it going? Um, so, yeah, Good. this is Blog Talk. Uh, this is Off the Beaten Track uh, with uh, Mike Neff, uh, short track announcer and editor of FriendsTracks.com. And, uh, Mike, we're going to be talking about the 2017 NASCAR season in a nutshell, um, especially the news coming out of um, out of uh, the, you know, uh, Charlotte, about uh, Carl Edwards uh, retiring or not retiring, but leaving uh, Joe Gibbs Racing in 2017, that must have come to a shock to a lot of people. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty bummed out that you didn't pick a week to have me on where there was actually something to talk about. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I don't know of anybody that saw this coming. I mean, we've Tom Bowles, who's our editor at Front Stretch, has had a longstanding relationship with Carl. They used to do a driver diary for years. And he had no clue. And it, in talking with other people in the garage and other people in the sport, it seems as though everybody had not heard a word about it. So they did a very good job of keeping it as a secret. Um, and, and it's shocking. I mean, it's it's rare in the racing world to have something that's really shocking anymore because with modern social media and everybody being so connected and everything, you usually word leaks out somewhere. And to have this be that quiet until the day before it was going to be announced was was pretty amazing. Um, And and it's speculation going on. There's still people that don't want to believe that that's the reasoning he did it. But Carl's always been a very stand-up guy. And i got to believe that when he tells us it's just because he wants to get away while he's still healthy and spend time with his family, that that that's the reason behind it. Uh, It's just, I don't know, it's just very... Surprising, as you said, and I'm. Uh, I, I wish him all the best, and I hope that we get to see him back around racetracks, even if it's not in a full-time capacity, whether it's in the broadcasting world or as a team owner or as a coach or whatever, because we need guys like Carl Edwards in the sport. Right, and and uh, I read that Matt Kenseth was also surprised too. He didn't even expect it, and um, you know the coach um, when he gave the announcement. Uh, Coach Gibbs was just like, you know, um, 
you know, he, he's got to respect the, what he's doing and he's got to respect his decision. You know, uh, Carl joked that um, he didn't know whether or not his ring finger uh, hand was going to come at him or come at him to shake him or come at him to punch him in the head because, you know, of the announcement. But Yeah, exactly. Um, and Daniel Suarez is going to be taking over the 19 ride in 2017. He's the Xfinity Series champion. Um, talk about Daniel's ride and um, what he's going to accomplish in 2017 in the Spring Cup and the um, Monster Energy Series. Yeah, it, it's it wasn't really that's not really a surprise at all. Um, I mean, he's been driving for Aris pretty much the last three years, whether it was in trucks or Xfinity. And it, it, it was pretty obvious that he was being groomed to ultimately go into the 19. It was just a matter of when it was going to happen. Uh, but that, Daniel's a very accomplished driver, and he's he's very good uh, at learning and being open to coaching. Uh, that was one of the things I learned about him three or four years ago at Charlotte. Um, I don't know if it was during a test or during a practice session, but Daniel was driving a truck, and he got Kyle Busch to jump in the truck, take some laps, and tell Daniel what he felt. And right. was very was very open and, and accepting to letting somebody else get in his car, which a lot of guys won't do, and, and receiving that feedback. And he's very coachable. He's a great young man. I've known him, uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember when he started driving uh, – in the in anything in the the Charlotte area, it's been four or five years, but he's come a long way in his driving ability, in his interactions. I mean, obviously he's a native of Mexico. He's done very good at learning the English language. His interviews have always been good. It was just a matter of, of trying to understand him. But at this point, his, he's very understandable, and he's a very bright young man. And as you saw, I mean, he's the Xfinity Series champion, so he's got some talent. I think he's going to be. Um, a formidable foe because he's in Joe Gibbs' equipment, which was arguably the best team in the series last year. And I think he'll um, he'll definitely make a real run at Rookie of the Year. Uh, as far as the Xfinity Series goes, he is not going to run a full-time schedule, but he's going to run a good bit of it. And the more laps, the better as far as that goes. I hope he can, in turn, uh, anytime they have companion events, I hope he can be there and run it because I think that'll be good for him to just – spend as many laps as he can on the track. Right. And um, talk quickly about uh, Dale Jr.'s comeback. What do you see for him in 2017 when he returns to the track in uh, February in Daytona? Uh, first of all, I'm glad he's back. I mean, I I won't deny that I was very worried about it. I think a lot of people around the industry were feeling like it was a coin flip as to whether he was going to be back or not. Because let's face it, when you take – months to recover from a concussion, that's not a good thing. And there, there were serious doubts about it, but I'm I'm extremely glad he's going to be in the sport. Uh, I think it's a huge benefit for the fan base. Uh, now we've lost Carl. That was a big blow. We've lost Tony Stewart, and we've lost Jeff Gordon. That's some very major personalities leaving the sport. We did not need right. to have Junior Nation going out the door as well. As far as abilities, right. uh I mean, let's face it, Hendrick Motorsports is the defending champions. And Junior was in cars that were competitive. You know he's going to be competitive at the plate tracks. I have have no doubt that by the end of the regular season, when we get to Richmond and we're getting ready for the chase, 
that he's going to be running up front contending for wins and a, a definite contender for the championship. Right. So talk about what type of stories go into com. What do you look for as an editor? Good golly. We've got so much that goes into it. It's one of the interesting things about Front Stretch. I argue with our managing editor, Tom Bowles, about it that I feel like we have too much content, but we cover the entire gamut of racing at Front Stretch. We've got no less than 27 contributors at this point in time, and we cover all aspects of NASCAR racing. We also cover IndyCar. We have some Formula One and some drag racing. So if it's if it's raced, there's probably some mention of it outside of motorcycles. We don't do a lot of motorcycle coverage, but right. there's just a, there's a cornucopia of things, and I feel like there's too much content. But Tom's belief is we have such a variety of content that if you come to the site every day, you may not want to read all five or six articles that we have up fresh every day, but you're going to find something that will intrigue you. And that's where we, uh-huh. we're coming from is uh, something that we're, we haven't even finalized it yet for this year, but the, the thought is that we may even add a fashion column this year to have, uh, you know, there's so many ladies in the sport now that are active in their husbands or significant others' careers that are also very fashion conscious that, conscious that we thought it would be very cool to have somebody like Samantha Bush and maybe Sherry Pollock come in and be a, a fashion type of angle on the, the things that are going on in the sport and going on in the fashion world that can apply to race fans. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we, right. uh, again, if, if there's something you're interested in, whether it's fantasy, whether it's technical, whether it's recaps, whether it's news, we cover the whole spectrum at some point during the week. I promise you can go on there and find something. Well, I definitely need to check out FriendStretch.com because I need to look at my fantasy league for this year. Um, I did absolutely horrible last year. Um, I, <laughs> no, I did. Uh, I, I, I just I wasn't on enough. I didn't do the right picks, and I just don't have enough knowledge. So I think maybe if I go into FriendStretch.com, I can gain a little more knowledge on my fantasy teams for this year. It never hurts. The more knowledge, the better. So do you cover any type of non-racing stories? Oh, wow, not really. At this point in uh, in the world and what I got all going on, it's pretty much all racing all the time. Um, I have not had the opportunity to do much writing outside of racing. There are some in the in the the bullpen or or in the the talent pool at front stretch and do some things on the business side and the public relations side of the sport. Um, and in general, even away from, from racing, which is general topics about that. They're available on other venues. Uh, but as far as I am, I'm pretty much all racing all the time. Okay. When did you become, when did you first become a NASCAR fan? Oh, wow. Probably early seventies. I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana, was born in 1963. I was actually a racing fan before I was born. When my mom was pregnant with me in 1963, she went to the 500. And so I was a race fan in the womb uh, from the time I was born until the split in 94. 
I missed a grand total of four Indianapolis 500s. I just I was a I've been a racing fan. That's all I've ever wanted to do my whole life was be a race car driver, and I just uh-huh. didn't get in the right circles or with the right people to do it. I raced go karts a good bit, but didn't progress up from there. Uh, but as far as as stock car side, I would say early seventies, probably seventy five, seventy six, because seventy six is still my favorite finish to the Daytona five hundred when David Pearson and Richard Petty got together coming out of turn four and bounced off the wall, yeah. both spun right. to the infield and stopped, and it was a matter of which one was going to get their car going. That was, I, I would say that is probably where I became a stock car fan. I grew up uh-huh. watching local short track racing at the Speedrome on the southeast side of Indianapolis where the World Figure 8 Championship is. And I've been, uh, I mean, a racing fan as far as I can remember. So I love short tracks. But on the NASCAR side, I would say it's probably 75, 76. And then in 1994, I actually moved to the Charlotte area from Chicago. And from 94 on, I was immersed in it, and I've been gung-ho in NASCAR ever since. What is your favorite track to see a story you've written about? Hmm. I would probably go with Darlington. I think uh, uh-huh. if you're going to go to a, a place that has such a variety of things that could ultimately come out to play and impact the race or have things to develop about the race, I think Darlington is probably the neatest track that's going to give you the greatest variety. My favorite track that I've ever seen a race at was North Wilkesboro. And I love being there when they did the the revival and brought it back for the year and a half that they managed to do that. And I was right. there for every one of their events and, and wrote a lot about it. And I, I hate that it's no longer around. But as far as currently on the cup schedule, I would I would definitely go with Darlington. Uh, overall racetrack, uh, probably Raceway Park in Indianapolis. I still think that is the single best asphalt racing oval in the country. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are looking for them to bring back North Wilkesboro. It's just not going to happen, but it's one of those tracks that they want to see come back. It, I mean, it, it's probably never going to happen, but I'll never say never because I have always maintained if the day comes that I manage to win the lottery, I will personally buy it and bring it back. So, yep. The racing surface itself is still viable. The facilities on the the first and second turn and backstretch are relatively modern, and I think they can be revived pretty quickly. The front stretch grandstand itself, it's an old cement grandstand, so it's not gone anywhere. But as far as all right. the what's left of the press box and the, the corporate suites and all that kind of stuff, none of that is safe. So they would have to bring all that down. You're probably going to spend probably 15 to $20 million if you wanted to to bring it back to a raceable condition for the K&N series, maybe even a truck race. Uh, I mean, you're never going to get cup there, obviously. But if yeah. you wanted to bring it back and have it be a viable racing facility, you're going to have to spend 15 to $20 million on it. And to have a, a, a racetrack, that you're going to try to make money at, if you spend $20 million on it, you're going to need to have a cup-level race there, and I just don't think you're going to get it. Right. And um, 
What about the changes that are happening at Atlanta and Texas Motor Speedway with the asphalt changes? I mean, the repaves. Yeah, I mean, they're talking really, about people not liking them and people liking them. And... Yeah, I was sad to see it at Atlanta um, just because Atlanta's been my favorite racing track in the mile and a half category for years. I mean, it just it had the old worn-out surface. The racing was great because the track is wide. And one of the cool things in covering NASCAR, when you go to the races, you get to do pace car ride-alongs. And so on the, the morning of the race, you get to ride with Brett Bodine, and he explains the track to you. And you always hear the drivers talk about the fact that the mile-and-a-half tracks are all unique and they're all different. And fans don't necessarily like to believe that, but they truly are. And of the mile-and-a-half tracks that I've had the pleasure of riding on, Atlanta's backstretch, to me, seems like it is far shorter than any of the other tracks. It's like most of your time seems to be spent in the corners. And I think that's part of why the racing there is so good is because you're having to, to get off the gas and drive through the corners and, and how you get through the corners gave you some variety and gives you the ability to race, and that's what brought the cars next to each other. Now that we're going right. to go to a, a repave, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm going to be open-minded about it. They're continuing to evolve and develop the asphalts and the, the compounds that make them up, and it's hopefully going to at least wear the tires a little so that we aren't going to the Flintstone rock-hard tires that'll just hammer down and not wear out and you end up with a parade. Uh, I pray that that won't happen, but I don't know that we're going to be able to, to see that happen right off the bat. As far as Texas goes, they had to. Uh, they didn't have a choice. With the amount of time it took to dry that track last year and just the, right. the, the porosity of the surface had gotten to the point where it was holding water, and so they had to come up with something it would have been nice if they could have put in a drainage system without having to repave, but in reality, they didn't really have a choice. I think it's kind of neat that Eddie has decided to change the banking in turns one and two so that you have yeah, different no, banking they, they on the opposite matter. ends of the track. Yeah, so I, I yeah. think you're going to have to to compromise a little. I mean, it's not going to be Pocono, obviously, but it's kind of along that genre that you've got different banking in the corners, so what you go through in one and two is different from three and four, so you may be able to get through one set of corners really well, but the other one not so good. And I think it's going to I think it'll force the drivers to drive a little bit. So once the, right. the track ages in three or four years and it starts to wear out a little bit, then I think you mm-hmm. should have some really good racing again at Texas. Yeah, Eddie Gossage said that um, he was doing it for the fans because he was not happy with the fans having to to – you know, oh, yeah, spend hours and hours and hours waiting there, drying the track and, and having a poor drainage system, so you wanted to have that all replaced. Um, so tell me about the types of deadlines that your drivers, that your writers have to follow as far as uh, on frontstretch.com. One of the beauties of being an online uh, publication is that you can be a little bit later. You don't have to worry about going to print. And so that affords us the ability to run a little bit later on deadlines when races end, and that's why we always have our recaps up first thing on Monday mornings. And you basically, when we write, we try to have everything turned in by 9 p.m. 
but obviously on some of the, the races that go late, it, it may end up being later than that. But for the most uh-huh. part, we have everything in on 9 p.m. It gets published about 2 or 3 in the morning. Uh, they schedule it that way, and then it's up there first thing in the morning when people get up and get ready to read. Mm-hmm. And, um, have you ever found yourself saying, why didn't I see that typo, or I wish I caught that error? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, as much as you try and reread and maybe take a look away and go read something else and come back, every now and then you're still going to pick up something that you missed uh, or or just because your mind reads it the way it's supposed to be, but in reality it's not typed that way. So, yeah, you absolutely get that. Uh, we are very adamant about our our crediting on photos and crediting on quotes and things like that. We also are uh-huh. very serious before we ever write stories that they have been properly sourced. And that's something that we've right. always prided ourselves on is that we require three independent sources if we're going to write a story. And so if you, uh, and we had a big hullabaloo last year about Harvick being offered by Hendrick to, to possibly come ride for him. And you can't just go to three different people at Hendrick and ask them if it's true. You had to get uh-huh. somebody that was at Stuart Haas, somebody that was at Hendrick, and somebody that was outside of those two organizations to all corroborate that that's what was going on, and that's what we did. So it's right. when you're getting ready to do a, a story, it's something that there always has to be multiple sources on it. It's funny. I don't break a lot of stories just because I'm – I don't – I have connections, but I don't have that many connections. And it seems like usually by the time I figure something out, it's already leaked out to motorsport or somebody. But years ago, there was a test at Charlotte. And mm-hmm. after the test, it was like 930 at night. And I was the only media person still there. Everybody else was gone. And they were packing right. up, getting ready to go. And Denny Hamlin was racing his truck driver around their hauler. And he grabbed the bumper on the hauler and lacerated his hand to a point where he almost cut his finger off. Wow. And so I'm running around, I walk around in the garage, and the ambulance is there. So I go over and I look, and I see Denny Hamlin in the back of the ambulance. And so I'm asking people, and I'm, nobody's wanting to confirm what happened, you know, because I think they were all embarrassed mm-hmm. about it. So I get on the phone with my editor, and I'm like, I'm telling you, Denny Hamlin's hurt. He's in an ambulance. They're getting ready to take him out of the track. But I could only get two people to tell me that he was even hurt, even though I'm sitting uh-huh. here looking at him. So we talked to um, – we put it up on the site that it was an unconfirmed story and put it out to, to Jayski. And Jayski wasn't sure at that point in time about running it either. They're like, you know, it, it may be nothing. You know, he may just got a hangnail or something. So they didn't want to run with it. But by 10 in the morning – the word was out on the street and everything came out. So we were the ones that had broken it, but it's, we're very cautious about that thing. So even though I'm sitting there with my own eyes, seeing Denny Hamlin in an ambulance, I'm not going to report it as to what's going on until I've got it confirmed from three sources. Right. If racing ever went away, what other types of stories would you like to edit? Wow. If racing goes away, I would probably do outdoors articles. Uh, I'm a huge uh-huh. fan of bass fishing. I always fancy myself as trying to be a professional bass angler, and I could see uh-huh. myself doing a lot of hunting and fishing articles because I'm a, 
a big advocate of conservation in the outdoors? Um, describe your website using only adjectives. Wow. Uh, informative. Thorough. Um, Curveball at you, didn't I? Yeah, that's a tough one to think about. Uh, <laughs> Voluminous would be a good one because we have got a lot of uh-huh. stuff on there. Uh, diverse. We have uh-huh. people that are authors that are 20-something years old all the way up to John Potts is probably 80. So I think we got uh-huh. uh, the whole game covered there. Uh, and yeah, I said they're already, but yeah, I, that would probably cover it. I mean, it's it's a very diverse, very thorough website that if if we don't have it on there, then it's probably not worth reading. Right. And uh, last question before I wrap up here. What's in store for the staff at FriendStretch at, at .com in 2017? Well, we, uh, I was just talking with my editor this morning. I just got notification from NASCAR that hard cards are coming out again, which is always a a big deal. It's something that as, as you work your way up through the ranks of covering a sport and you get your feet wet and you prove yourself, uh, NASCAR will award, give hard cards to those people that have proven that they're, that they're good at what they do and are doing a good job. And this uh-huh. year we have no less than six staff members getting hard cards. So that's a, that's a big plus. We, are going through changing things up a little bit. Like I said, we're talking about maybe having a fashion angle this year. We we're, we'll mix up some things as to who's writing what. So we get some different views on some different stuff. We will still have our staples. Uh, my two personal staples on every Monday morning, you can get thinking out loud, which is a kind of a recap, kind of a com- commentary piece on the race. Never for this week. Yeah. Yeah. And then on every Friday, I have Tech Talks. I have four different crew chiefs, and I do a rotation of them once every four weeks to talk to them about the challenges they face for the upcoming week and from a technical perspective. So they, uh-huh. you know, we, whether it's, whether well, you know, obviously we'll be interested in Atlanta once they run this year and then they start to repave, what are they going to go right. back to next year? And Texas going to be showing up there, that's going to be a big one because I can't remember. I want to say their first race is in April. That they're yeah, supposed to get so done with the repave. Yeah. yeah, the repave is supposed to get done in March. So they're going to have to get a tween that repave and the race. So it's going to be a very short timeline for guys yeah, to, they were saying to get an they idea of what. Sure if they were going to do a tire test on that. I mean, they, they were talking about yeah. maybe not having time to do a tire test. And that's going to be yeah, hurtful so for they, the drivers if they can't do a tire test. Well, maybe. I kind of like the idea myself. Throw them out there for practice and they got to figure it out. I'm sure if they don't do a tire test, they'll bring back the tires that they had from Michigan when they did the Michigan repave and the speeds were so high and heat wasn't dissipating. When they went back that second time, they had a tire that worked pretty well for that. So if they don't do a test, I'd be willing to bet that's the tire they would use. But 
whatever the case may be, nobody's going to even be on that track for more than maybe six weeks before the race. So it'll be, it, that'll be a big challenge to talk about, but it's, that's one of my, I love that column because I'm a technical guy. I've worked on race teams before and, and worked on cars and it's, for me, it gives an angle that a lot of other uh, sites and, and publications don't cover. And so it's something that we right. offer that I think is a really neat perspective of the week. Well, Mike Neff from com. it's a pleasure to have you on Off the Beaten Track, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in 2017. I appreciate it very much, Nathan. Anytime you want me on, give me a shout. I will be glad to do it. All right. Thanks, Mike. Have a good night. Take care. You too. This has been Off the Beaten Track, a podcast on Blog Talk Radio. To have your track, team, or racing event on our show, just email otbtpodcast at gmail.com. That's otbtpodcast at gmail.com. Or check us out on Facebook at Off the Beaten Track. Thanks for listening. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.